0: Hi, it's LG from Thumb in the Sleeze. Welcome to Queen of Ship Mountain on the Critical Frequency Podcast Network. and we're going to play some stuff and we're going to talk about my songwriting process. I started really playing guitar because I like to write songs. It was just very exciting. Songwriting has always been my favorite thing. I didn't learn guitar the way that most people learn. I taught myself as I went and the a la carte style of learning where I just kind of learned things that I thought I might need. But yeah, when I first started playing guitar, I would make my family get in the living room and get chairs out and we would do a whole we would do a whole show me and my best friend Angie. We would, you know, write some crazy songs about Scooby Doo or whatever we were into at the time. My grandpa dealt guitars and played in bands, wrote songs, and he was my biggest influence, and he gave me my first guitar. I sat down one day and I said, I need to write a song about my grandpa, he passed away, this is how I feel. So, you know, that's just a snippet of that song, but I literally wanted to sit and say that I just miss my grandpa. And that's I sat down with that intention of writing a song and I wanted to write it in a style that he would appreciate. The guitar he originally gave me, which was my first guitar, was a K Sears and Roebuck catalog guitar student guitar with really cool art deco features that was really good for learning guitar on. I lost it when I was a teenager and I didn't have it for a long time and then I saw this one sitting in my local guitar shop and I asked him how much it was and they said for ULG, 100 bucks. And I said what? That's a great deal. I'll take it. The moment I saw it after having not seen it for probably 20 years, I started to cry because I had felt such a strong connection to this instrument. It was the thing that ignited what is my entire life, playing music, writing songs, touring the country, being an artist. I'd spent most of my junior high years I Spoke of weed and being like. You know, or, I mean, it's like all the 90s bro rock that existed learning all that stuff i didn't really realize that women made rock and roll till i was in 10th grade which is crazy but you know the internet wasn't as established as it is today this episode is brought to you by Earthquaker devices they're a small akron ohio based pedal company they make and design effects pedals and they're one of a kind Go check out EarthquakerDevices.com. The people are great. The pedals are awesome. Here's Mega Shredder, awesome lady, the one and only Lisa Belladonna, giving us a sample of her fantastic playing and the incredible sounds you can get from an Earthquaker device. Check it out. The pedal you just heard is called Pyramids and is available at EarthquakerDevices.com. If you think the only thing they got in Ohio is square pizza and rust, well, you're halfway right. But they also have incredible pedals. Make sure you check out Earthquaker Devices today. EarthquakerDevices.com. All right, let's get back to the podcast. I mean, I knew women made rock and roll, but I didn't know how much and how much there was out there. And it was really once I figured out the Internet and how to use it, I just started eating it up like a buffet in Las Vegas. There's writing songs and then there's finding your sound, and I think you have to really write songs for a very, very long time before you find your sound. I mean, assuming you want your own. There are lots of sounds you can take from, but like if you want your own sound, yeah, that's that's gonna take some time, I think. Let me get to brass tacks here. At the end of the day, the best songs ever written are written in 10 minutes. If you're writing by yourself, the most easily connectable, the most instantly catchy, instantly infectious stuff is all written in 10 minutes. Sometimes I wish I didn't write so much about women that I interact with. I kind of sometimes feel silly for that. I'm like, has anyone ever written a song about me? You know? You start to think that as a song, you're know, like, am, am I song worthy? You know? And then, then, of course, you know, the women that you write about, they all, they don't care. <laughs> This girl, I wrote that whole record about her. These boots won't lick themselves. I was invited to her one day and I brought her the copy of the record. I was like, here's, this record's about you. She was like, oh, cool, thank you. And I was like, yeah, are you ever going to listen to it? And she was like, I mean, probably not. And I was like, okay, cool. Here's the way I see songwriting. If you write a song about a woman that drove you crazy, and you make money off that song, you're getting you're getting something out of it, you know what I mean? But if you date a crazy woman, she doesn't talk to you anymore, you guys don't hang out. What do you get out of that deal? You get nothing, but you write a song about it, at least you get paid, you know? And with High Class Women, I always wanted to write something that felt gritty and dirty and and dark. And, you know, to me, like, that's Coco Taylor, that's Bessie Smith, that's, that's the blues, that's heroin, that's that's high class woman, you know, because I was abused at a lot of substances when I wrote that song. The subtitles you just literally pick up the guitar and you just you just write a song. And and I don't do that too often. But occasionally. I was most recently broken up with this was two years ago, almost now, but I was recently broken up with and I just sat down when I got home and I just grabbed my guitar. And I didn't really have anything particularly in mind, but I knew I wanted to write something because I just felt like shit. And it helps when you feel like shit to write something. So I sat down and I go. very simple and it wasn't super dramatic or super climactic but neither was our relationship and it just summed up how I felt and you know you've written a good song that really sums up how you feel if every time you play it well you get a little sad and every time I play that song it doesn't matter if there's 500 people standing there or 5 people or if it's sitting in my kitchen talking on a podcast it makes me feel a little sad side of being a good songwriter and I think I am a good songwriter you really kind of have to walk through those moments every time you play a song and it can be intense you know some of the songs I have to stop playing every now and then just to because they don't feel right you know they feel kind of oh I could do this in my sleep that's not how they're supposed to feel they're supposed to you're supposed to be able to emote you're supposed to be able to project and that's important if you're genuine and you really connect with people Sometimes you do write a song with the intention of wanting to write a song like someone else's song. And I've done that a lot, too. I'll sit down and I'll say, man, I wish we had a stranglehold, you know? Like the song Stranglehold by Ted Nugent. I love that song. Um, And I think it's one of the best songs to have sex to, but who could stand Ted Nugent. And who could have sex with Ted Nugent? I would not think, ugh, Ted Nugent. So I've solved that problem for everyone, and I wrote my, my version of The Stranglehold, and it's called Come. And it's an older song, but that was one song that I definitely went into that with the intention of trying to write a song that kind of it, it felt like the same idea. Another song, actually that's a good example of wanting to sound like someone else, is a new song that we have, it's called Mary Beth. And I was really, I'm really into the ventures and I'm really into surf rock right now and instrumentals. Like what if Thelma's Lace had a surfy or song and that was this one. or super meaningful lyrics and or like things that really I can attach a time and a place to but they have an idea and sometimes you just write a song because of an idea um, and that's cool there's a lot of songs in the Thelma Least catalog that are like that and there's a lot more to that song obviously but I am playing it on a very small child's guitar so you have to bear with me a song like Lost City I wanted a song that sounded like Journey I wanted a Journey song within my means. When I say that, here's the thing is like, Lemmy from Motorhead, I thought he sounded like the Beatles, you know? And I was always stuck in my mind because I was like, Motorhead obviously doesn't sound anything like the Beatles. You know, and the Ramones were really into like, Phil Spector and the Beach Boys and stuff like that. And it's like, they don't sound like that. So even if you think, if you're gonna write a Venture song, you're gonna write a Ted Nugent song, It's within your means, and it's going to have your trademark on it. It's going to have your sound on it. So the important thing is that you're making yourself present for opportunity. You're saying to your instrument, I'm ready whenever you are. If you got something you want to share with me, let's have it. And that's also a great method. That's how this song was written. This is a new song. It's called Lonely Girl. bring people into your creative process you can't do everything on your own and people say they do everything on their own they don't do everything on their own you know if you look at drake like he has a huge producer guy that he always works with you know like and he's really conducting that orchestra it's hard to let go of some of your control and their ownership over your creativity but you have to pick and choose your battles just like anything else you know what what is going to get this done and what can we take away i think That's what I'm really trying to get at is like, less is more. Get in there, see what you can come up with. If you don't like it, you live to strum another day, my friend. I don't give shit to anybody in this business because they're all assholes. And if there's one thing I've learned from the two women that I admire most that continue to do this shit into their 60s and 70s, that I met, Lucinda Williams and Lydia Lynch, both those women told me what I kind of figured was my lot in, in this business, was protect what the fuck you have, protect, they're gonna wanna take everything from you, but if you let them have it, yeah, you're gonna get that instantaneous you know, rush and you're gonna get that glory of validation and, and maybe a little change in your pocket. Well, then you're gonna go back and try to get your shit and it ain't gonna be there. You know what I mean? You just gotta be careful about who you give your shit to in this business, because they're all, you know, you wanna think you're the best. I mean, maybe I'm not the best, maybe I'm not great. Maybe that's not gonna amount to much, but at this point, it keeps my lights on, it keeps me fed, and it keeps me at it, so I'm gonna keep doing it. And I certainly don't want to become jaded and bitter and, and you know, realize. I mean, I had a conversation with Melanie Safka and she tells me she couldn't even use her name for 30 years because someone else owned it, you know? And she hid and she didn't make music and she didn't get back out there because she was beat the fuck down by this industry. And you have someone as talented as Melanie Safka telling you they don't want to fuck with this industry. You, you know, so some of these people don't think I'd talk to anybody. I talk to people, honey. I talk to people who's done this shit, who have got it figured out. And you look at someone like Lucinda Williams who protected her shit and done her best to kind of take ownership over her art. She's still at this shit and she's still cashing checks. You know, Lydia Lynch is the same way. They don't let people take ownership over their art it's hard like I said you have to pick and choose your battles in this business but I will tell you be protective over your shit and don't this is why I haven't signed any record deals or talked to any of these labels that have offered me shit is because um, you don't go to the grocery store hungry okay you know walk out with a bunch of shit in your cart you don't need you know the way it is now yeah it's fucking hard yeah it's exhausting yeah it's been a slow trickle but at least i know i'm not compromising what i feel is right is in terms of my artistry and in terms of how i choose to present this band to the world and sometimes it, when you sign those those papers, that's that's what you're giving up. So don't give it up. Oh, yes, I said I'm you, yeah. We'll meet again, I'm sure, out on the road, down on the Instagram, coming through your speakers on late night. I'm LG from Thelma and the Seas, the greatest. All females wear Southern rock band of all time. Thanks for listening. Take things out of the van, put things in the van, take things out of the van, put things in the van. Drive the van. Take things out of the van, put things in the van. Take things out of the van, drive the van. Get the girls in the van. Take the girls out the van. Where'd the girl go? She's supposed to be in the van, I'm watching on a motorcycle. No, I just want a Burger. So that's my life. James Guthman. Queen of Shit Mountain is produced by Michael Ann Petrella with assistant producer Amy Westervelt on the Critical Frequency Podcast Network.